0: What is going on everybody and welcome back to the stochastic nhl strategy show i'm your host josh harris on your way in smash <laughs> that like button smash that subscribe we are sponsored by yeah. prize picks yeah avery agrees we have a we'll have a deal for you in a little bit on that but joining me as always co-host slim cliffy how's your day off yesterday
1: uh not bad um didn't watch i mean i watched a little bit of the vancouver game last night i went to go see creed 3 last night um pretty enjoyable i I don't think i didn't think it was as good as the first two creed movies but it was one of those things like it was a good cap off to the franchise if not like but not a great movie itself you know what i mean like it was a good homage send-off type thing jonathan major's like I don't even know what to say about that guy at this point like there's not a single role he doesn't just absolutely crush like he's worth going to see it alone um so no I I only watched a bit of the Vancouver game last night when I got home like I wasn't super excited to play the slate yesterday like I looked at the games and I guess if you're a schedule maker at the outset of the season like the matchups look exciting right like Chicago-Detroit, you have an original six matchup. And then Minnesota-Winnipeg is a pretty big divisional rivalry. Um, you have Anaheim-Vancouver. Like, Vancouver looked like they're on the upswing heading into the season. And Anaheim looked the same with Zegers Terry, and um, Terry and Drysdale and all those guys. And it just ended up being a terrible night of hockey, I imagine. <laughs> only, Like I said, I only watched a bit of that Vancouver game. But... Um, I enjoyed my day off then in that sense. I didn't have to watch the Anaheim Ducks. I didn't have to watch the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Didn't have to watch the Chicago Blackhawks. And any night I don't have to watch those teams is a pretty good night. How was your night last night?
0: I went bowling. I can't walk now because I haven't used those muscles in like four years because I have a bad back. Bowl two games, can't walk. That's that's how you know you're aging. So, so it's, it's hilarious because we talk about, you know, this player is getting old for hockey and they're younger than we are. And I go bowling twice and I can't walk. That, so, was, like,
1: that was the thing watching Creed 3 is like it's, it, it's, it's all about Michael B. Jordan being like past his prime as a boxer and completely washed up and all this. And the guy is like two weeks away from being bodybuilding competition ready. I'm <laughs> just like, no, this, this guy's not washed up. Like I, I can see what's on my screen here, but. Uh, no, a big, big, nice, big slate of games here tonight. A lot of interesting matchups. Some of the late games are a little bit of a mess, but um, that's pretty much going to be every night of big games from here until the end of the season, given how many teams are just so far out of the playoff race at this point. But um, provide some good value opportunities at times as well.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this slate. There is a lot of cheap goalie opportunities here, especially on DraftKings. Uh, we will make sure to talk about that considering it's an 11 game slate before we do just give us a like and subscribe on your way in hit that notification button you get alerts when all of our shows go live all of our content is also available on podcast form on the platform of your choice help us out by leaving a five-star review as i mentioned we are sponsored by prize picks we will have a nice ad a nice deal for you in a little bit let's get into this 11 game slate though shall we Dallas Stars with a 3.6 total heading into Buffalo. The Sabres have a 2.9 total. Jake Ottinger and Eric Comrie are confirmed. Eric Comrie, min price on DraftKings. Sabres are moving Jordan Greenway to the top line. Why? Not sure. I just know the coach, Don Granato, does have a crutch on Jordan Greenway. Would make That would make me assume that they're going to send out the Thompson line against Dallas one. I, I don't know if Jordan, Green, like Jordan Greenway, yeah, will help defensively, but it's, I, I still don't think it's going to be like a lockdown line by any means. And it's definitely going to hurt them defensively or offensively, I mean. So I, I kind of like Dallas 1 here. 6-7% is fine on 11-game slate. They haven't been firing on all cylinders here. So, you know, I don't know in my 1-3. I haven't built my lineup yet, but I, I just don't know. If I'm going to make them a priority, that being said, they're barely over 20K now. They've been in the 22Ks for parts of the season, so there is a discount there. So push comes to shove. I'm on the Dallas side here. What side are you on?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting when you're talking about the top stacks on the slate here tonight. I'm talking about top stacks, at least by price like you basically have six pretty good lines all within about 3,000, less than $3,000 of each other that you could use as a primary stack. Um, this Dallas top line being one of them, um, you know, we'll talk about Colorado, Pittsburgh, Dallas, um, Boston, those teams a little bit later, but um, I think that's why, you know, you're not seeing much ownership on Dallas, despite the fact that it is a very good matchup. I don't mind playing Dallas one here actually, because for, well, for a number of reasons. One, like they've just been a pretty good line all year. Yeah. They've had their ebbs and flows, you know, right now they're only scoring two and a half goals for 60 minutes per, at five on five over the last four weeks. They're, they're only shooting seven and a half percent. Um, you know, the league average is eight and a half. You got to expect that'll probably turn around at some point. And more than anything is the Buffalo penalty kill. Like the Buffalo penalty kill is still pretty awful. Um, I was just looking you know, basically over like their last 20 ish games, like their last 20 games. Exactly. No team has given up more shots against per 60 minutes while on the penalty kill. And no team has given up more goals per minute while on the penalty kill. Now Buffalo's only saving grace is They, they don't take a ton of penalties. They're under three times shorthanded per game for the season, which is, you know, a fair bit below the league average, but they're having a really tough time killing off the penalties they do take. And, Even as the Dallas penalty kill has struggled over the last couple months, you know, they're still better than most penalty kills in that stretch. Um, It's, you know, they're struggling for how elite they were. They're not struggling compared to other, you know, good lines, good power plays in general. So I really do like the Buffalo top line here. Um, The question is whether to go to any, or the Dallas top line, sorry, the question is whether to go with any of the Dallas depth. Now Ben Johnston and the, the Donoff is a pretty interesting line. Like they have been really really good since the Donoff got there. It hasn't been a big sample though, but you know, the Donston and Johnston, the Donoff and Johnston have been heavily carrying the play when they've been on the ice together. Um so I think they're fine, but I'm going to be honest, I think it's the Domi Sagan Marchment line that I like better. Um kind of as a filler from the Dallas side. And the reason is this is I think Max Domi going to Dallas, you know, these Dallas stars uh, is kind of an underrated pickup for them. Like I was really thinking about this over the last couple of days, like at this point of their careers in March of 2023, is there a big difference between Max Domi and Patrick Kane? And I don't really think there is, especially when you consider that Domi's versatile. He can play center and the wing. So, I, like, I'm just wondering, like, Domi is a really, really, really good playmaker. Now, he's really bad defensively, which is why he tends to bounce around the league. But I think he's a guy that can really help Sagan and especially Marchment. Like, pretty sure Marchman went, like, 30 games without a goal. And then the first game with Max Domi, he scored, like, in the second period. This guy will have a good – I think will have a good effect offensively on him. You get those depth matchups from Buffalo, especially once you get past the top pair. Uh, on the blue line, I, I don't mind Domi, Sagan, and Marchman. You know, you don't have to stack all three. A two-man is fine, but I don't mind them as a, as a, you know, a secondary depth option here tonight. On the Buffalo side, I, I'll, I'll just say, like, right out of the gate, I do have a little bit of interest in Cousins, Quinn, and Middlestad. Like, Cousins is just gen- genuinely a good two-way offensive threat. Like, there's no way about that now. He's a good playmaker, and he's a, he's a good finisher. Like, that's just what he is, even as young as he is. Matt Quinn's having a pretty good rookie season he's just not playing he just typically hasn't played a lot of minutes not a lot of top power play time and I was looking at some scoring chance data on Casey Middlestat recently and he's boosted his scoring chance creation numbers basically 15% for the season over the last month I'm pretty sure Casey Middlestat is leading the team in five on five points over the last month as well like not points per minute just points so you know, Cousins' Quinn of middle stats kind of catching my eye again. I think I would go to like a two-man, like maybe like a Cousins' middle stat or something like that. Especially with the minutes middle stat has been playing lately. Um, I don't mind them as a filler either. I, I I do have hesitations about the top line now. Greenway being twenty, he's twenty five hundred, right? That helps a lot, right? Like that really fixes a lot of the problems. Like if he shows up and he's forty three hundred or something like that then it's a pretty open question. But at 2,500, an assist and two shots, and he just smashes, right? Like, he doesn't really need a lot. I also think Greenway, like, there is some good playmaking data in his history. Not a lengthy history of it, but there is some good playmaking data. And Skinner and Thompson have been able to carry just about any winger that they played with, even when Alex Tuck is out of the lineup. Um I, it's just, you know, Dallas has a really, really good penalty kill. Ottinger's a really good goalie. Buffalo's, a lot of their value does come from the power play. I just don't think it's a really good matchup. I think if we're looking at opposing top lines, it's Dallas won pretty easily for me, even when factoring in price. And I don't mind um, that, you know, a, maybe a two-man from that Sagan line either.
0: Yeah, I mean, I see your you know, Cliffy waking up and choosing violence, saying Domi is better than Kane. Like, offensive impacts – Domi's all offense, no defense. So is Patty Kane. Max Domi, like, Max Domi's going to get softer matchups. So, you know, there could be some truth to that. I I just – like, Greenway min-price and assist in two shots would be smashing. But, you know, getting there is the hard part. Um, that being said, that line with Greenway there – 16-5. You get Tage Thompson. It's fine. Like you can leave Greenway off and go Thompson and Skinner, but like Dallas is a good defensive team. Dallas has a good penalty kill. Jake Odinger has been struggling recently, but you can't always count on Jake Ottinger to struggle. So yeah, I think Dallas one's my favorite in this game. I don't mind Domi Marchment or Domi Sagan. Two men. Um Marchment makes it cheaper. So that's probably the where I'd go. I kind of agree with you on uh Buffalo 2. Very cheap two man there with Casey Middlestat at 2,700, Dylan Cousins, 5,500, 8,200 for the two of them, avoiding top line matchups. You know, there's some expensive stuff that you might want to jam later. Don't even mind a Middlestat one off. He's been playing like 17, 18 minutes a night and he's been doing stuff in those minutes. They're not empty minutes. So, yeah, I do.
1: I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure Casey Middlestat has reached double digit DK points in like half his games since the All Star break. Now, double-digit DK points isn't a lot, generally speaking. But if he can get to like eleven or twelve points for um, for twenty-seven hundred, like I will take that all day long.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, he's definitely in the mix as for me for one-off if I need a cheap guy. Let's move on to the next game here. Philadelphia Flyers, with a 2.3 total heading into Carolina. The hurricanes have a 4.1 total. Felix Sandstrom is confirmed. Piotr Kuchikov is probably, he was in the starters crease this morning and he's also min price on DraftKings. So if he does end up starting, there's your chalk. Uh, Sandstrom also 6,700 on DraftKings. So, um, could be an interesting game to grab some goalies here. Uh, Carolina kind of had a pretty big letdown for a lot of DFS players when they played the Canadiens That was in Montreal. Now, now they're home. I, I I still really like going back to Carolina one here. It's just you know eleven game slate. Oh, uh, Coach just got confirmed as I was talking. So he is starting Min Price. Carolina one getting some pretty heavy ownership for good reason, I guess you know, 4.1 total. They're at home. They're not very expensive. Uh, the only thing in people's mind is they got burned with them, you know, the last game. This is an equally as good, if not better, matchup. Not the best power play matchup. I mean, it's getting better in terms of power play. But, again, Carolina kind of splits their power play anyway. So, you know, for me, it's Carolina 1-1. The ownership could be an issue, but there's plenty of ways to get different. On the on the flyer side, it's just a big mess. Like, the power play units are an absolute joke. Like, if, if anything, you know, maybe I'm playing Tippett and Frost, but that's really about it. This is a brutal matchup for the Canes.
1: Yeah, I'm not even – I'm just skipping the Flyers. Flyers, I'm scar. Yeah, I'm, I'm just skipping the Flyers. I have no interest in anything that they have in this matchup, so I'm just out. Um, on the Carolina side, like there are three playable lines. We should note also Poole Arby's not playing. Um, he was potentially in for today, but they're they're saying that he's not gonna play till the weekend. So don't have to worry about Pooley Arby. Um, you know, I think Jake mentioned it, you know, we mentioned on the last show, Jake mentioned it on Twitter today. You know, that Carolina top line's just been absolutely scorching. Um, whether you look at the full season sample or whether you just look at recently, like I was trying to like cut the sample down to a point where maybe they started looking bad. So I looked at just the last three weeks and they're still just absolutely crushing Uh, 5.3 expected goals for 5.3 actual goals for, um, you know, Sveshnikov has 11 points in his last 10 games or something like that. Like they're just absolutely tearing the opposing teams apart. And, you know, the Philadelphia penalty kill has been on a little bit of a slide like over the last like 10 games, it's not a big enough sample to really say like, you know, it's the end of their slide. What I will say about stacking Carolina here is, yes, there's going to be a lot of ownership. Like we have the Carolina top line projected as the second highest on line of the night, um, bringing up our top stacks tool, uh, a Nashville line that we're going to talk about later is at the top, and then Carolina next. And they're second by a, like a wide, wide margin, like third place is half the ownership. So there's going to be a lot of heavy ownership on Carolina. And Tony D'Angelo suspended for this game. And Tony D'Angelo is easily their worst defensive defenseman, right? Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant here, but if you <laughs> oh, look, at, no, he's, if he's you look at shots against, expected goals against, expected goals against impact, actual goals against, like, everything, he's been the worst on the Flyers this season and by a pretty fair margin. If you take him out of the lineup, it's going to hurt them offensively, but I think it's probably going to make them be better defensively. Like, it would be pretty hard to for, to for a defenseman to step in and be worse defensively than D'Angelo's been this season. So, like, maybe the Flyers, you know, it's kind of addition by subtraction, that type of thing, um, at least for this specific matchup. So that would be my, you know, one concern about playing Carolina um, is that the Flyers might be a little bit better defensively than they otherwise would be. Um, and then, you know, could could this be a game where, you know, Carolina's up 3-0 after the first period and, you know, Sebastian Ajo ends up playing 15 and a half minutes or something like that, right? Like, Carolina's in that position right now where, they don't really have to worry about winning games. They should try to stay in first place in their division, but it's not like a massive concern. They're not fighting for a playoff spot. So as good as Carolina's top line has been, like I think there are, there are reasons not to play them. I'm, I'm not going to say don't play them because they have been exceptionally good and they're not expensive. It's just I think Philly might be a little bit better defensively tonight than they otherwise should be. And there's just a ton of ownership coming in on Carolina. That's That's all I'm saying about it. Um, The Carolina second line is not coming with a lot less ownership. Now a lot lower top two stack probability, but they have been driving the play pretty well and they're really good defensively. So like they won't spend that much time in their end. Um, I don't mind them as a secondary stack, honestly. And considering the much lower ownership, like I'm fine going that in that direction. I would probably just stack all three of them. Um, I don't think you have to worry too much about power play stacking here. I would stick to even strength and that second line has been controlling the play riding percentages a little bit, but still generating a fair number of shots Um, and they're controlling like 66% of the shot share. So I do like that second line as a filler quite a bit, but yeah, Carolina top six here.
0: Yeah. It's just a matter of like, if you're comfortable with the ownership, I think they're a fine play. Like the way Carolina matches at home, it kind of changes. Sometimes they send out the stall line. Sometimes they send out the Ajo line. This isn't a game where line matching is super important. You know, there, there isn't like a line on the flyers where you're like, well, I'll need to avoid them. No matter who they go out against, I think they'll be fine. Like, I think, you know, who who comes in for – is it Sealer or Braun? One of those two is coming in for Tony D'Angelo. And they're both kind of defensive defensemen. so by default, they're going to be a little bit better defensively here. I actually don't mind their defensive pairings. You know what I mean. Without Tony D'Angelo here, from a defensive standpoint, they're not awful. So I, I think your point, you know, about them being a little bit better defensively is going to be true here, addition by subtraction. Still, I still like Carolina a lot here tonight. I don't know if they'll be my favorite if I'm gonna ha- if I'm gonna play them, but they're definitely going to be my mix for one to three. I also agree on that second line, like Jeff Berry, the Emmy. Earlier in the season, his offensive impacts were really, really poor. Uh, they started to pick up a bit. I know he had that five-point game, but a lot of that came on the power play. But he actually looks like he's starting to round into some shape here, so don't mind that second line. Let's move on to my Rangers and your Canadians. A little less meaning in this game than you know some other ones that we won't talk about. <coughs> Credit didn't run price. New York Rangers with a 3.9 total. Heading into Montreal, the Canadians have a 2.5 total. Igor Shesterkin against Samuel Dikembe Montembeau. Um Rangers had about five days off now. After you know them going 11 4 for a few games here. Um Keandre Miller is back tonight from his suspension. Tyler Mott still out tonight, so they may go 11 6 I think. i Oh, no, they had emergency recall, so they'll they'll have a full lineup here tonight. They're going Zubanija um, and Tarasenko, Kreider, Panera and Trochek, Kane, and the kids. Now, they mixed up the, the power play units for what reason? Other than Galant being bored, I don't know. The Trochek line is fully correlated on one unit. The Kreider line is fully correlated on another unit. Uh, and then, you know, Heedles on one of them, Kako's on the other, and then Fox and Truba are power play quarterbacking them. Now this is a really good matchup for the Canadian or for the Rangers. Excuse me. Now, like you can say this is a get right game for them. Sure. But numbers don't lie here. It's been a bunch of games now for the Tarasenko, Crider, not a huge sample, but there is a sample on them. They're very, very low event.
1: They haven't been generating Basically anything, <laughs> like, I mean, like nothing at all. Um, We're up to 80 minutes together of that top line. 1.3 expected goals for per 60 minutes. That's about half the league average. Um, 2.3 actual goal score, which is below average shooting over 16%, which is nearly double the league average. So they're shooting nearly double the league average and still scoring below the league average because they're not generating anything it's a concern like i I was willing to give them like the first three or four games because you know they were on the road and there's some tough matchups in there but that hasn't been the case since like yeah they played boston um but before that detroit washington los angeles philadelphia ottawa not really a murderer's row of of teams there and they're still not generating anything i think you have to give them some leeway to kind of develop some chemistry, but I don't care if they're really good three weeks from now. I care that they suck today. That's my (laughs) issue. So, you know, Zibanejad, Kreider, Tarasenko coming in at 8%. They're an $18,200 line. Um, The Boston top line is only $1,200 cheaper and they're scoring at like Double the rate the Rangers are without riding hot shooting percentages. You know what I mean? So, like, I get why you want to play Montreal or the Rangers here tonight. That Rangers top line because there's not a lot of ownership. But to be honest, they're just not doing anything. Like, just straight up, they're not doing anything. Um, I know Tarasenko had that three point game. I mean, good for him. That was that's basically all that's happened since they got since he's gotten there.
0: Yeah, but so, none of those points were a five on five. Though. No, one
1: was, yeah, one was, at five, I think, four on four. Breakaway. One yeah. was on the power play, one was in overtime or something. Um, so you look at the second line. Now, the second line, the way I talked about it when Kane got there was that I, I was treating the second line as if they were just putting Alexis Lafreniere there because. Um, Kane and Lafreniere, uh, Kane's worst defensively, but they both struggled defensively a little bit. Lafreniere and Kane both still generating scoring chances, though not scoring a lot themselves. Um, you know, and the second line had really bad do- defensive numbers when Lafreniere was there, but pretty good offensive numbers. 3.3 expected goals, four per 60 minutes, and they're the power play unit that's getting Adam Fox. And I want the guys on the power play unit with Adam Fox. I don't want the guys on the power play unit with Jacob Truba. And it feels like um, that's going to blow up in my face tonight as I say it. Um, but Adam Fox is just straight up like what one of the five or six best power play defensemen in the in the NHL, and Jacob Trouba's is nowhere near that level. So it's easily Rangers two that I like the best here. Like I don't know if Kane's going to be good on that line. I have a pretty good idea Tarasenko is going to be awful on the top line. So I, I would rather go with the un the unknown, the uncertainty of the second line than the known garbage of the top line. Um, whether you want to dip down to the kids, I think it's perfectly fine Where because they're basically priced as filler stacks. But, you know, they're split on the power play unit. Um, Lafreniere on one, Heatle on the other, Kako on neither. Um, if you want to two-man them, I guess that's fine. But I think it's the Rangers' second line I like the best. Easily here. Um, once again, nothing for me from the Montreal side. Like, if you want to one-off some guys, go ahead. But I don't have a lot of interest in, in full three-man stacking any Montreal line.
0: Yeah, I have no interest in Montreal here tonight. The Quick fix for the Rangers lines, and Gawant won't do it, is just flip-flop Kapokako and Tarasenko. Or just never flip-flop will- and Tarasenko. Yeah.
1: Like, quite honestly, It'll never I, I don't know why you're keeping Patrick Kane away from Zibanejad and Kreider, who are two shooters.
0: Yeah, like, because Panarin, had, Panarin and Kane had chemistry. Oh, yeah, I forgot.
1: Panarin oh. and Kane played seven years ago.
0: <laughs> it was like 15 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, We're great, old, great stuff. Anyways, yeah, next game.
0: Go on. New York Islanders with a 2.8 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.2 total. Ilya Sorokin, Tristan Jari are confirmed. Um, Brian Rust back in the lineup. Uh, someone else back in the lineup as well. I forgot who else missed that game. Gramlin. yeah. He'll be back on the third line. <laughs> yippee Kaye. yay The bigger news there is uh, Rust, who missed the game for personal reasons, back in the lineup on that second line. Danton Heinen was very serviceable there for the last game. <sighs> Not much ownership on either side here. I, I think if anything, honestly, it's going to be that Pittsburgh second line. They're cheaper than the Pittsburgh top line. Uh, the Islanders don't take a ton of penalties. They have a pretty good penalty kill. Where where you can attack them is five on five. Again, Sorokin and net, and that bothers me. But, you know, if you're going to get like a 4% 3%, Pittsburgh 2 at 5-on-5 five five against the Islanders, who are just pretty pathetic defensively. I'll take that shot. You want to go to Pittsburgh 1, that's fine. They're just more expensive, and it's not the best power play spot. So Pittsburgh 2 for me. On the flip side, I think it's going to be that Horvat-Lee line. Uh, if you want to leave off angle, I think that's fine. Like we mentioned on the last show, where you more mentioned, you know Nelson Palmieri without Lee, just trash. So it's going to be Horvat-Lee or Bust for me.
1: Yeah, I do kind of like that top line of Horvat Lee and Engval. The one thing that's concerning is Engval got pretty much benched last game. And the coach said it wasn't like really performance related. It's they want him to get used to their system. And they 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 had guys that were on the team all season that they trusted in the third period over Engvall. which like to an extent, it makes sense. Like I get that. So there are concerns that Engval. He doesn't play the third period here tonight. Um, I think he does, but they they did it last game. They can easily do it again. Um, You know, Lee and Horvat have still been generating. Like we talked about the the last time the Islanders were on the slate. They're still generating even without Matt all there. 3.1 3.1 expected goals for in over 100 minutes together. 3.1 expected goals for 60 minutes in over 100 minutes together. Problem is shooting 3.5%. And I think, you know, a shooting percentage decline when you lose a playmaker like Barzal kind of makes sense. But 3.5%, is you know, that's way too low. Um, even if they were double that, I would still say it would, it would be too low. Um, you know, Anders Lee does have 32. He's over three shots per game with five goals in his last 10 games. So he's still doing st- stuff. Um You know, it's just a matter of whether you want to include Engvall or not, but I do like that Islanders top line here in this game. Not a lot of ownership coming in under 5% owned. Pittsburgh penalty kills terrible. Like, just absolutely awful. The only thing that's saving them ever is goaltending. Um, Now, the Islanders don't draw a lot of power plays, um, but they can get there, even without Barzal. Um, So I don't mind that top line. I'm with you. I think that's it from the Islanders. I... (sighs) on the Pittsburgh side, it's a little bit tougher. Like, you know, we were talking on Tuesday's show about the Pittsburgh top line. They have a hundred shots on goal in the last 10 games, just the top line, the three guys on the top line. And they have five goals like shooting 5% at all strengths. You know what I mean? I like, maybe they are wasting a few shots, but 5% over a hundred shot sample. Like that's, they, it has to regress eventually. The problem is, is that it's facing Elias Sorokin. Um, I think I'm kind of with you. If anything, I would probably dip down to the second line. Uh, I, I don't think it's a great power play matchup. I don't want to stack a top line over 20 K in a bad power play matchup when they're a bad power play anyway. So I'm with you. Malcolm, Russ and Zucker, they've been really, really good. Um, just their last 60 minutes together, 4.3 expected goals, four per 60 minutes, that's just a monster offensive number. It's just they have to finish. Um, if they start finishing, they can fill the net. Um, so I'm with you. Pittsburgh 2, Islanders 1, that's what I'm looking at in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of these times, like Pittsburgh one's just going to blow open the, the doors and just like destroy a slate. Could it be tonight? I, I don't know. But like I'm not banking on it with a 20K line in a tough power play spot coming up against – one of the probable finalists for the Vezina Trophy. So, you know, I'm going to dip down to the second line. As we mentioned, Op the Hop, we are sponsored by PrizePix. You can get one free month Stochastic Plus Platinum and a $100 deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit at Picks. The key here is to click that link in the description. Um, it will take you to where you need to go to sign up. One month of Stochastic Plus Platinum is a $120 value. Get, gets you access to all of our tools for all of our sports on stochastic.com. As you know, if you're in a legal state or a state that isn't legal for sports betting, prize picks is where you need to be. It's a prop-based contest. No sharp optimizers mass entries. I have not peeped Jake's Twitter yet today, but he usually puts out a six-pack of picks, um, you know, He's a little bit better at the prize picks than I am because Ice Picks isn't legal in New Jersey. So, but as Cliffy always mentions, and I actually remembered, if you do get that Stochastic Plus Platinum, you will get that shot prop tool that comes with it, that Cliffy is about to pop up on the screen. At... Oh. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Wait, this is the shot me.
1: prop tool. Um, you can use shots on goal over and under, and it gives you, you know, our projection, the odds that we're pulling from, don't forget to shop your favorite odds at oddshopper.com. Um, you know, ROI and all that both shots and goals. Um, the one I picked out was Logan Couture's over, um, his lines two and a half, depending where you look, uh, over on Prize picks, it's only two. So, you know, something happens, you can at least get a push out of it, but, Uh, We haven't projected for over three shots and his over-under on prize picks is only two. So I think Logan Couture makes a nice little prize pick here tonight uh, for anybody playing over there.
0: Yeah, that's another thing on prize picks. Like most sportsbooks line shot props at half shots. Prize picks, sometimes you'll get like that two-shot prop. So if he gets two, it's a push. You won't lose. Very good. Make sure to click that link in the description below. Get you that deposit bonus and one free month Stochastic Plus Platinum. Let's move on to the the next game, the Vegas Golden Knights with a 2.7 total. Heading into Tampa Bay, the Lightning have a 3.4 total. John Quick, for some reason, is confirmed. Andre Vasilevsky is probable. I was actually kind of surprised to see that the Vegas Golden Knights are going back to John Quick here. Uh, he had a pretty good start to his last game, faded pretty quickly in the third. This isn't they have, the Canadians.
1: They have no options. They have four injured goalies. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Like, no. It's pretty crazy when you that's think nice. about it. Like, it was bad enough last year that New Jersey was missing two goalies for, like, half the season. Vegas is legitimately, like, three are on the IR and Aiden Hill's day-to-day. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I know. So, John Quick, it is. Man, this game makes me nervous because one, John Quick's in that Tampa's getting fairly low ownership here. Now they're expensive. They're over 22 k but they are fully loaded here fully correlated i don't know like it's a from a 5 on 5 standpoint it's not the worst matchup in the world not the best like vegas is a good team they just they've been battling injuries all season if if you making me pick between Tampa Bay one and um Pittsburgh one i think i'm going to play Tampa one here just you know based on most variables here, I'd rather go up against Quick than Sorokin. It's a little bit better power play matchup. So, I don't know. I like Tampa 1 here. I think they're in play in all formats. What do you, what do you think?
1: I'm just going to touch on the Vegas side first. Um, sure. I just don't have any interest in Vegas, which kind of sucks because I think Tampa's been an underratedly good matchup for opposing teams going in for a couple months now. Um, yes, certainly the last couple weeks. Uh, the problem is other than the top line, like they kept Marshall, Eichel, and Barbashev together in their last game. Every other line got nuked by the second period. And I mean, like, everything got nuked. Even William Carlson and Riley Smith were broken up. Literally have no idea what the what the Vegas second, third, and fourth lines are going to be. Um, so like it's one of those things, like, I I would kind of had interest in lines going up against Tampa Bay here tonight because I, they really been struggling defensively, not quite like Montreal struggle, but definitely struggle for Tampa's, you know, supposed equality, but we don't know what the depth lines for Vegas are going to be and the top lines. F- like frankly, not been very good. Um, since Barbashev got there 59 shot attempts for per 60 minutes, 79 against 43% shot temp share. Like, I'm sorry, like that's what Barbashev does. Like he's helped them score because he's actually a pretty good playmaker. He's just horrific defensively. Um, now, Tampa Bay had been using the, the Sorelli Kalorn Hagel line as a shutdown, so ostensibly, Tampa's going to be Tampa's top line is going to be going into those like those Carlson Amadio Kessel Stevenson matchups, which I. Think could favor Tampa Bay quite a bit here, and you also get Jonathan Quick in net. Like, let's not forget how bad Jonathan Quick has been this season. He is arguably the most recognizable goalie the Los Angeles Kings have ever had, maybe outside of Kelly Rudy. Um, he had two Stanley Cups, he played with them for like 15 years, and they just basically cut him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, they went out. And got Kyle Peterson and cut him and went out and got Phoenix Copley and then went out and got uh, Junis Corpasalo. Like, they went and got, like, four or five guys to play ahead of Jonathan Quick because he was so bad. Not working out for – didn't work out for Los Angeles. We'll see how it goes for Vegas. I mean, Quick, maybe he looks better behind Vegas, but I don't mind the Tampa top line here because of the incredibly low ownership on them. I think they make a nice pivot. I, I I'm not as excited on the Tampa second line, but they are generating quite a bit. That second line is generating three expected goals per 60 minutes, four and a half goals per 60 minutes, actual goals. <laughs> Anthony Sorelli's been really good offensively. I just think going into Vegas one, you know, Barbashev will make them worse defensively. It could be a little bit tough. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, I don't I don't mind a, a two-man of like Sorelli Kalorn. Or something like that, especially with Cloran getting top PP minutes. So I think Tampa One's perfectly fine to play here, even against a pretty tough defensive team. I think Tampa Two is actually my more favorite stack here.
0: Yeah, I've been playing Sorelli a bunch lately. Cloran's just been on fire, which happens once in a while. So yeah, don't mind Tampa Two. Let's move on to the Lindy Ruffs. The New Jersey Devils with a 3.5 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a three total. Wendy Ruff going for some interesting lines here. Tatar Heischer Mercer. Then Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, and Jesper Bachwist. Third line of Andre Palat, Eric Halla, and Jesper Gratt. Knights of Columbus, what are you doing? Um, <sighs> I'm kind of interested because this is kind of important how Washington matches at home because the Ovechkin-Wilson-Kuznetsov line has been absolute crap defensively. <laughs> so I want the New Jersey line who's who's going up against them, even if it is Hughes-Timo-Yesper-Bachwist. I can't imagine he makes it through the whole game there. At some point, Jesper-Brat will be up there or – Timo is going to be with Heisher and Mercer, and Hughes is going to be playing with you know Michael McLeod and the beer salesman from Section 109. Like I, I don't know, but I want the Devils' line who's going against the Ovechkin line, and none of them have high ownership.
1: I just don't know how Washington's going to do this because Washington's last home game was like two and a half weeks ago when Lars Eller was still that. there. Yeah, and, yeah, and they, they. Used Lars Eller and Nick Dowd basically in half the shutdown matchups, give or take. So I don't know if they're just going to keep going back to the fourth line, you know, and just send out Dowd and Obey Kubel and hope that they can pick up the slack that Lars Eller left behind. I mean, I guess we're going to find out tonight. Um, The New Jersey top line, like there's no sample there, right? Obviously uh, the top line, I'm talking about the Hughes line because Meyer just got there. Bogfist and Hughes, just never play together. So there's no sample with any of the players. So you have to kind of figure out like how they're going to play. Like, I think I like, I have no problem saying Hughes and, and Meyer are going to gel. Well, gel pretty well together. The question is how Bach this fits in, right? Because a lot of his micro stats, like stuff that's tracked, that's not publicly available are just bad. And it's frankly shocking for a player on this New Jersey team to be so poor at scoring chance creation he's just not doing any this year for a new jersey team that's basically at the top of the league in every single scoring chance creation, you know, statistic that they're that's available. So, I I'm with you. I don't know how long he's going to last there. And if it's one of those games where he does end up staying there, like is it is it guaranteed to be like a blowout or is it like a 2-1 game and they ju- they're just going to leave him there cuz he adds some sort of checking dimension to that line or something. You know what I mean? So I honestly think I'm go. I, I prefer the Tatar line here, Tatar, Hishir, Mercer. Like I don't know exactly what the matchups are going to be because we don't know how they're going to treat it without Lars Eller around. I'm assuming that the Hishir line isn't going to see any of like the quote shutdown matchups, which means you know probably not a lot of Backstrom, probably not a lot of doubt. and I think that's going to line up pretty well for them at five on five, and they've been. Like, just absolutely unbelievable. Like, quite frankly, unbelievable. 4.6 expected goals, for per 60 minutes of five on five. It's like 80% higher than the league average. Um, 4.8 actual goals. So they're not, it's not like the Pittsburgh problem where they can't score. They're scoring a lot. Um, you know, Dawson Mercer, 36 shots in his last 10 games. Where, where this came from, I don't know. He has good offensive numbers. Nothing that seemed to indicate this, but I think he's played over 20 minutes in three straight games. And that includes... Games with two games with Timo Meyer in the lineup. So he's not the guy that's going to lose his role. If anything, it'll be Tatar that gets pushed down and Meyer gets moved up. I think that line's been really, really good. I don't think they see much of the shutdown matchups. Um, they are, you know, the much cheaper line. No ownership, like less than one percent. I think Hishir, Mercer, and Tatar is the line that I like best on the New Jersey side. If I leave anybody off, it's Tatar. I think if the line gets moved around, he's the one that leaves. It's just a guess on my part, but I think that's the way I would lean. On the Washington side, Mantha and Ovi playing together is interesting to me. Because man, if you look at Mantha's stats data, like some of the, uh, the non-publicly available stats like I just talked about, they're pretty much similar to what he was doing in Detroit. The problem in Washington has been playing 12 minutes a night on the fourth line. You know, rather than 17 or 18 minutes a night alongside Dylan Larkin with top power play minutes like that's basically been the difference. Um, If you work out his goals um, per minute and transfer that to a per game average, it works out to like 29 goals in a Washington uniform every 82 games. And they've been good together. 3.1 expected goals for per 60 minutes and over 60 minutes together. 3.1 actual goals for like. There's a little bit of heavy ownership, but they're not super expensive. So I don't mind Washington one here, but I think it's the Hisher line I like best in this game. And it's not particularly close for me. And it feels weird to say, considering Jack Hughes and Timo Meyer are playing together.
0: Yeah, T- Timo's last game, he did get moved up with Hisher um, and Mercer. That's where he should stay, I think. I feel like he'd be best with Nico Hisher, and just have Hughes and Brat and... Whomever there, you know what I mean? Like Hughes and Bratt have ridiculous numbers together. I feel like Nico Heesher, Dawson Mercer, and adding Timo Meyer, you can just have a ridiculously good top six. Lindy Ruff's gonna Lindy Ruff, he does his, his thing.
1: I mean, let's the other thing here too is is New Jersey's not playing to win this game, right? They're playing to set themselves up to see what lines work and what lines don't. For playoffs that start in five weeks, so that's kind of the disconnect that you're going to see in a lot of these teams. Like Tampa Bay certainly fits that. We just talked about that with Carolina, um, and maybe when Pulleyevi uh, joins the lineup, that's just the way it is. And I, I can't really blame Ruff for it. It's just really frustrating as a DFS player.
0: Oh, I can blame him, and I'm gonna blame him. I'm blaming. Him. <laughs> I'll
1: let you. I'll let you blame Ruff. Absolutely.
0: So let's move on to the next one. The Edmonton Oilers with a three total heading into Boston. The Bruins have a 3.6 total. Stewie Skinner is confirmed. Jeremy Swayman probable. Evander Kane back in the lineup on the top line with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. No ownership on the Oilers top line here. I like this is the worst matchup in the NHL for McDavid. And he scored twice against them last time. It was in Edmonton, but he was going out against the Bergeron line. Also, McDavid plays so many minutes, there's no way Bergeron's going to get every shift. (sighs) Like, normally I'd be like, you know what? They're so expensive. I'm going to fade Edmonton here. But under 1%, maybe McDavid comes in 5%. The other guys come in super, super low. But, like, uh, you have to consider McDavid here.
1: Yeah, you do. I, I, I've brought this up a couple times before. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got in DFS was there are, you know, this was back in like 2017 or 2016 or something at that time when Sidney Crosby was legitimately, the, you know, the best player in the world. And we talked about it was Crosby going into Carolina or something like that. He's like, and the, the person told me the absolute best players in the world. You know, in 2023, we'd be talking about, you know, McDavid, obviously, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Kirill Kaprizov, these types of guys. They're matchup proof. You can play them whenever. It doesn't matter. Um, you can play them going into Boston, facing the Bergeron matchup with Allmark and Net. It does not matter. The only thing that matters is the price and the ownership, because these guys can absolutely nuke anybody on any given night. And like you said, you know, the rest of the team didn't do a whole lot. McDavid scored twice in the last game against Boston in the Bergeron matchup. Um, Can the rest of the line get there? That's more of an open question. Can Connor McDavid get there by himself? Yes, absolutely he can. Um, And when you're talking about a line coming in under 1%, I think the problem is will Evander Kane be there all game long? And will he be good? Cause he hasn't, he's only played like two games or something in the last three months, give or take. Um, Now McDavid and Kane have typically played really, really well together, even without Leon dry settle on the line, like over four goals, per, like around four goals per 60 minutes, of five on five, going back to last year in 450 minutes together. And they're not shooting like 13 or 14%. They're shooting under 10%. Uh, like they're just generating a lot and finishing, the Bergeron matchup is a brutal matchup. I don't know. I'm not going to say you have to play. If you're a single entry, you have to play Edmonton or anything like that here tonight. If you're 20 maxing, I think you should absolutely get at least someone off McDavid in your lineup. If not, maybe a, a Edmonton top line stack somewhere. Certainly you're playing them. If you have 150 lineups and don't forget, like if you're playing Edmonton one and you're playing 50 lineups, you probably don't meet need more than like two lineups to get way over the field, right? Like there's not going to be a lot of them. So I would play Edmonton one just because of how good McDavid is and how low ownership there is. There's just no other, there's no other reason to play him. There's no matchup or reason or anything like that, or a bad penalty kill or a bad goalie, nothing like that. Um, it's just ownership. The rest of the lineup, I would just leave it by itself. I'm not playing dry sidle, you know, carrying around Yamamoto. I'm not playing Yamamoto himself. Just I'm just not doing any of that. Uh, the question is what to do with the Boston side. Cause you got to assume if you're going, if they're matching up against McDavid, they're probably going to match up against Ekholm quite a bit too. Now the Boston top line has been like great since the came back 4.3 expected goals for per 60 minutes, 5.6 actual goals shooting 12 and a half percent, which is a little high, but not super extreme. Um, You know, but Marchand hasn't been shooting a lot. Only 23 shots in his last 10 games. Kind of, you know, kind of a bad matchup. Like, I think on the Boston side, I kind of like the second line. And I, I, I don't know if I would full stack, but I would definitely do like a Krejci-Pasternak or something like that, right? Because Edmonton does take a lot of penalties. The penalty kills t- typically not been very good. Pasternak's still shooting a lot. forty I think forty 44 shots in his last 10 games. Um, you know, that second line from Edmonton, Dreisaitl and Yamamoto are just a horror show defensively. So, you know, lots of penalties for Edmonton. Not really a good penalty kill. Um, not a good 5-on-5 five five defensive line. I think I kind of like Boston, too, here.
0: Yeah, and they're also going to avoid home. So, just, yeah. David Pasternak, uh, can you put him in the McDavid conversation as matchup proof? Certainly. So, like, yeah, I, Boston, too. I don't even think you need a full stack. I mean, he is, he is coming in double-digit ownership here, so maybe you don't want a one-off. You want to bring, you know, Krejci along for the ride. But, yeah, do really like that second line. Let's move on to a game I wish wasn't on the slate. I'd be a lot happier. San Jose Sharks with a three total heading into St. Louis. The Blues have a 3.6 total. Kapo Kakinen and Jordan Bennington confirmed. Blues have moved Pavel Buchnevich to center. That was – they've talked about it for a while. They're actually doing it now. He's centering Kasperi Kapanen and Jakub Vrana. I actually like that line. It's just three wings on on, uh, DraftKings. That moves Alexey (laughs) with Robert Thomas and Jordan Kairou. Why? I don't know. Um, Like, that brings the Sharks into play for me. I think the sharks are in play anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: Does it? I don't think I'm full stacking. I don't mind Kator Bear Banoff. Also, don't mind Hurdle Eklund or Euklund or however you pronounce it, like Hurdle Eklund, Euklund, Ukulele. Doesn't matter. 7,800 7, for the two of them. Blues don't take a ton of penalties, and they also have a their penalty kills not god awful like it was earlier in the season. It's okay. But like, I don't know. I think you could do a lot worse for a three row total. You know what I mean? My focus is on the blue side, but the problem is these lines kind of are a mess. But like Bucnevich, Vrana, two man, I think it's fine. Like, I wanted to play Thomas Bucnevich Kairu tonight, but now with Torpachenko there instead of Bucnevich, I almost have no interest in that line. What do you what are you seeing? Uh,
1: the pro- I mean, I guess the one problem with Bucnevich Vrana – um, and Kapanen is triple winger on DraftKings, right? Yeah, um, what I will say is there are a lot of double center stacks you can go to tonight. Um, McKinnon Comfort from Colorado, um, you can certainly, I mean, the other side of this game, San Jose, you can do hurdle and couture if you want. I wouldn't, obviously, his shirt hues are is always a double center stack that we use. Um, you know, you can. Certainly use uh, the Buffalo double center stack if you want. So like there are double center stack options, or you can just one off the center. It doesn't really matter. So there are options, and I'm going to be honest. I think that's going to be this. It's going to be their best, better line. I think it's going to be better. Like Toropchenko, I don't, I don't see what the Blues coaching staff sees in him. I, like, I don't get it. Uh, like, I haven't watched him a ton, obviously. Like, I've probably watched him in fewer than a half dozen NHL games. There's nothing about his AHL profile that sticks out. None of the prospect people that I've read or, or, or you know, speak with are excited about him in any regard. It feels like he's just a guy on the line. And I don't like playing lines I mean, that are not there. Just yeah. guys, well, So Buchnevich, Vrana, Kapanen, like, you know, we know if Vrana's anywhere as close to the player he's typically been over the last five years, he's not a $3,100 winger. He's a $5,500 winger, right? And Bucinavich, we'll see how he does at center. And I've been talking about Kapanen. Like, Kapanen's big problem is just that he sucks defensively. He's not a bad offensive player. You don't need to be a great defensive player to, you know, take advantage of this Sharks team. So Buchnevich, Vrana, and Kapanen is where I would go. I'm not worried about power play units because their power play sucks anyway.
0: And, and their power play units right now are so stupid. And,
1: yeah, and they're just a mess. I do like Buchnevich, Vrana, and Kapanen because I think if Vrana like starts playing the way he can, like his price comes up by two thousand, it could come up by two thousand dollars by the end of the season. I think it's just a nice price for what could be a good offensive line in a really good matchup that's not coming in with much ownership. So St. Louis too. Gonna be honest, I don't have any interest in the San Jose side. They're coming in way higher owned. Like, would I rather play Hurdle, Zetterland, Eklund at seven percent or Buchnevach Rana Kapanen at six and a half percent, right? Like, I would rather play the home team with you know one guy that's Zetterland was just yeeted by the devils, they didn't care about him. Um, Eklund Eklund showed well in the AHL, but Hurdle's Really not look good for a while now in San Jose. I think San Jose is kind of the bad chalk I don't want to play tonight. So I think, you know, these are both going to be chalky sides, considering their prices. I'd rather take the home team, rather take the better players. I'll go Boots, Ron Toronto, cabinet.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and that's why we have more than two eyes on the show, get different viewpoints. Maybe I can cross off San Jose now. Maybe I'll still get sharked later. I don't know. We'll see. I it, it, I just
1: I have a real strong feeling that no, no matter what I do with that game, I, it's going to screw me. So, you know.
0: Oh yeah, this game is the worst on the slate by far. Yeah, this game yeah. Sucks.
1: I'm just I'm just ready to live with it.
0: Get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum, and your first bet is covered up to a thousand dollars in first bet insurance when you sign up. Make a deposit and make your first paid wager at BetMGM. The most important part: click the link in the description below. If prize picks isn't available in your state, BetMGM most likely is. And you're getting one free month Stochastic Plus Platinum when you sign up. $120 value, as I mentioned in the last read, that's every tool on our site for every sport. All you need to do after you click the link in the description is follow the steps and deposit $10 or more. You place a bet on literally whatever you want. And after that bet settles, MGM will shoot you an email with how to get your free subscription to Stochastic Plus Platinum. It's that easy. Your bet doesn't even need to win. You can do a minimum of ten up to a thousand, depending on your risk tolerance. So, if your bet loses, you get the insurance back, and you get to go place another bet. And then you get the month of stochastic uh, plus platinum for free. So it's a no-brainer. Make sure to click the link in the description below and go do that. It's a no-brainer. Let's move on to. The next game here, National Predators with a 3.3 total heading into Arizona. Los Coyotes have a 2.6 total. UC Saros is confirmed. Connor Ingram is probable. We have found the chalk, my friends. <laughs> and it is Luke Evangelista, Tommy Novak, and Matt Duchesne. Just, just. And me, I mean, you you put some things in the chat about Tommy Novak, and he's looked good. Evangelista's actually look pretty good on the power play. Matthew Shane's a good player, but come on, man, <laughs> 20 plus percent on 11 game slate. Like, yeah, I know it's price driven. Evangelista's 2,800 on the top power play, and the Yosts take a Brinks truckload of penalties, but like, I just, oh, I, I just don't think I can eat that ownership. If they, this is one of those stands. <laughs> plant the flag. If they burn me, they burn me. I'll, you know, get some ointment for tomorrow's show. If we have a show tomorrow and I'll put it on. I'm on the Arizona top line here. They've been rolling. Um, that's where I'm at. Arizona top line.
1: And we don't even really know what the Nashville lineup is going to look like. Right. Um, Cause they, you know, big surprise. They broke up their lines um, last game and, you know, there's nobody that writes about that team anymore, so we don't have any idea what the lines are going to be um, for tonight. We're assuming Evangelista and Novak stay with Duchesne, but they didn't last game. Um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, um, who was it that scored twice uh, in that game um, against Vancouver? Was it was Evangelista, wasn't it? Uh, uh, it was on. It was on. Th- yeah, it was Evangelista. And Evangelista scored both his goals after he got moved off Duchesne's line. Right. So, like, is he going to be back? Is he, did he get moved away from Matt Duchesne, score twice, and they're going to put him back with Matt Duchesne? Is I can't imagine a coach thinking like that.
0: It could be John Leonard up there again. So,
1: right. It could be Cody Glass. Um, could be anybody, right? That's kind of the problem with Nashville is that we don't really know what this lineup is going to look like. You know, I would guess that Duchene and Novak or at least are together. As for the rest of the lineup. You know, Sissons training and Cole Smith was the only line that stayed together. last game. Is that the only line you can rely on to stay together? Like when you consider, when you consider that Nashville's, you know, they're still missing Philip Forsberg and traded a whole slew of players. Um, you know, maybe they're a little bit better defensively because of some of the guys they got rid of. But like, I'm sorry, like trading, you um, know, Niederreiter, Matias Ekholm, and losing Philip Forsberg to injuries not going to make your team better by any stretch of the imagination. I think, I think I'm with you. This is the this is the chalk that I'm fading. Like I, 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 I said I didn't want to play San Jose. I'd rather play San Jose than Nashville. Um, that's about where I'm at. So I think the Arizona top line is is fine here. I'm going to be honest, I have some concerns because no chicken and no Goss spare was something that I've I've kind of overlooked. And Yusuf Valamacki, I think, is a pretty good defenseman. I don't know who else is a pretty good defenseman on that roster other than him, right? Um, I just don't know if they have any good puck movers other than Valamacki, which means anytime they're on the ice without him, they could struggle to move the puck. I think Arizona ones fine to play because they're not coming in with much ownership. I just don't know if I'm as gung ho as I was, pretty much the last slate because I watched that game and they didn't look good. And it, Arizona's looked bad a lot over the over the years, but uh, they typically look better over the last few months. But since and Bear and Chicken got traded, it's been a little bit of a struggle. At least from Victor what Soder-
0: Victor Soderstrom could turn into a good proc mover. He just hasn't been great. He is young, though, so maybe. But, yeah, you know, that is always a concern. But, you know, 4%, under 4%, I think, you know, you can take some stabs for sure. Um, Yeah, like, Nashville. Like, I don't want to say I'd rather one-off Casey Middlestat than Luke Evangelista, but I I think I'd rather one-off Casey Middlestat than Luke Evangelista. Like, I, I just... I just can't play a 20% Nashville player other than Yossi. Yeah. Which, you know what I mean? Like until Forsberg comes back, I just can't do it. And even if he, you know, even if it's him, I don't think I can do it. Anyway. I don't
1: know, man. It, it, like give me a, give me a Forsberg Duchesne glass or a Forsberg Duchene Novak and I'll play it. Yeah. If it's Evangelista, I, I don't know, Yakov training Matt Duchene. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and I, play it.
0: I'm not. Yeah, I mean, go for it. They're super cheap, and you can fit a whole gaggle of things in there with them. But, you know, I just can't add that ownership. Los Angeles Kings with a 2.9 total heading into Colorado. The Avalanche have a 3.5 total. Eunice Korpisalo is confirmed. Alexander Yorgiev is probable. Uh, Evan Rodriguez moved up to the second line last game with Mika Ranton and JT Comfer. McKinnon, Lekin and Nishushkin, uh, the top line. I did see like Miko Rantanen did take some shifts with McKinnon in that game. He didn't stick there though. McKinnon does,
1: they do that every game. Yeah. It's like yeah. Ranton is gonna play the like the final 10 or 15 minutes with McKinnon every game. Yeah.
0: For unless the most unless part, they're
1: up like seven-nothing.
0: Yeah, for the most part, that top line did stick together. <sighs> this is another interesting spot because the Av's top line is getting no ownership here. Like none of these guys, like none of these like superstar players are getting any ownership. I I like the Avs top line here. What like what am I missing?
1: I mean, I do like the Avs top line as well. Um, I don't think you're really missing anything. Um, I you know, couple things. One, the Kings. I the way that this matchup is going to go kind of interests me. Like. They had tried using Lars Eller kind of in a shutdown role a little bit and trying to get McKinnon away from those matchups. Whether they do that again here tonight, I guess we're going to find out. Because the thing is, if Colorado goes into that Kings top line, I've been talking about it on Twitter for like a week now. They're nasty. Yeah. Man, and it's another one of those situations where I'm trying to cut the sample off shorter and shorter to see if they're starting to fall off. The last three weeks, 3.1 expected goals for, 1.9 against. That's a 62% expected goal share over the last three weeks. They're crushing the competition. Quentin Byfield, I think, is starting to turn into the player that he was drafted to be. He's basically looking like Kopitar looked seven or eight years ago. Now, not as good offensively yet as Kopitar was at that time. But I think at least offensively, still rounding into that, that feels like a pretty brutal matchup for the Colorado top line. But I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going to do. Because like I said, they had been using Larry Eller, you know, in a shutdown role a little bit and trying to get McKinnon away from that. If they can do that, I think the Colorado top line stands a pretty good chance of success here tonight. And I'm like, I'm with you, not a ton of ownership under 3%. They're, you know, they're less expensive than the Edmonton top line. They're less expensive than the Tampa Bay top line. I do like going back to the well with Colorado one here. So, you know, I'll say it again, even though I think he had three points in the last game and you can leave Leckner off, I think is fine, but I really do like Colorado one here. Um, I will mention the Los Angeles second line. Um, They're probably going to see a fair bit of the second line matchup. Um, Comfer, Rantanen, Rodriguez. That line really hasn't been that good defensively. 3.2 expected goals against, 2.7 actual goals against. Those numbers are both below average. And the Kings' second line has been pretty good offensively, certainly a lot better over the last couple weeks um, as they've gotten more chemistry. So I don't know if – like, I I wouldn't play them in a single entry or something like that, but that Kings' second line, Fiala, Arvidsson, know, if I was playing, you know, certainly like 50 lineups, they would be in a few of them.
0: Yeah, something – that made me nervous with the Avalanche top line. I'm gonna to have to go back and look. They took Nishushkin off the top power play. They put Lekkinen on. But then the second power play unit was Nishushkin, Evan Rodriguez, or no, Nishushkin, Alex Newhook, Bowen Byram, Sam Gerard, and Devin Taze. Like I don't know what that is. But he was on the first few power plays, and then they flip flopped him. I don't know if it was because they had a big lead. Or
1: yeah, like that. that was there was four minutes left in the game, and they're up six nothing.
0: Okay,
1: so, yeah, so I I wouldn't worry Ooh. about
0: that. Yeah, okay. You good? I'm good, bro. You good? Let's get let's move on to the last game of the night. Out of the Sen- Ottawa Senators with a three point one total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a three point four total. Mad Sogard. Is probable Philip Grubauer is confirmed. Cam Talbot got hurt. He's out for at least three weeks. Philip Grubauer has actually been playing okay. That's new. Um, here we are with Seattle again. Like this, this is a good matchup for Seattle. It's just who do you who do you want to play here? I think I, I think. All the lines are in play, but if I had to pick one, I'm going back to Beniers, McCann, Eberle, and then I'd go to Wenberg, Bjorkstrand. If you want to play Gord, Tolvanen, because they're cheaper, I think that's fine, but the other two lines interest me more. On the Senators' side, there's no ownership there. Sens are very power play reliant, so I, I think you can go to that top line is fine. They're just expensive, you know what I mean? three point it's not like they have like a 3.7 road total it's 3.1 they have two playable lines neither of them are getting ownership i think it's the seattle side i prefer
1: yeah um i i mean i do like the seattle side like kind of in a nutshell it kind of depends where like that veneers line is another is another one of those lines that's really really riding percentages they're shooting over 17% in their last 100 minutes together. Like half that rate would be about league average, which so clearly they're just riding super hot. But The Wenberg line, conversely, has been generating quite a bit. Um, Wenberg, Bjorkstrand, and Schwartz. Um, they're up to nearly 150 minutes together. 3.2 expected goals for 1.9 against. They're controlling something like 63% of the expected goal share. They've been utterly dominant. Um, now they're probably going to go into the Ottawa top six and the Ottawa top six has actually been pretty good defensively and certainly improved. Um, once they got Jacob Chikrin. So I don't think I'm super gung ho on the Seattle side here, especially when you consider they're all coming in with negative leverage. Like I think if anything, I would just go to Schwartz Bjorkstrand Wendberg as a filler. I might even just leave off Wendberg and go Schwartz Bjorkstrand as a two man. Um, You know, so that's kind of it for me on the Seattle side. Like, you're right. They do have basically three playable lines, but it's only the Schwartz line I'm really interested in here. It's the Ottawa side I have more interest in. And the reason for that is that Seattle Beniers line has not been that great defensively. And you know, Grubauer has been pretty good. He's only allowed seven goals in his last four starts, but then he also allowed 14 goals in the four starts before that. So like, you know, which Grubauer are we going to get? Um, and there's no ownership coming in on that second line, that Pinto Batherson, DeBrinkat to line. They could see a fair bit of the Bennears matchup, which I think is a good one for them. The Pinto line is at three expected goals per 60 minutes over the last four weeks together. Um, Problem is just shooting 5%. If, if their shooting percentage could ever regress positively, they could really do pretty well. I think I'm I, Ottawa 2 is the line that I like best in this game when I'm factoring in ownership here. But I also will say the Schwartz line's fine.
0: Yep. And before we move on to goalies and defensemen, just saw Trevor Moore going to be in the lineup tonight. He. That kind of changes my tune a little bit on Colorado, I think.
1: (laughs) Me too, because if he goes back to the second line, that's a pretty brutal defensive top six.
0: Yeah. Well, something to think about, I guess. Yeah, something to think about for sure. Um, Coming up after us at 4 o'clock, we have the Odds Shop. It's um, Yeah, they go over today's best bets with Odd Shoppers Premium Tools. Four o'clock on the Odd Shopper channel, so make sure to stick around for that. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen. A lot of games, a lot of defensemen this room. Who are your favorites?
1: Um, Yossi, obviously, at the top of the list, um, especially, like, for expensive defensemen, especially if that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I do like Brent Burns in his matchup as well. Um, and Eric Carlson, like – it's another one of those situations where if San Jose generates some goals. It's probably going to have to be, you know, Carlson giving a big helping hand. So, Yossi Burns, Carlson are the three expensive guys. Dimitri Orlov, obviously, moving to Boston's top power play unit. I think he's arguably the best play on the entire slate for the blue line. Um, Evan Bouchard on the other side of that game. He's I mean, just been getting a lot more minutes. Jacob Truba, like I said, I don't like him on the power play, and I don't. But it's it's an improvement for him specifically. And it's a good matchup uh, to generate some shots on his behalf. Uh, go back to Jeff Petrie. He's playing like three and a half more minutes a game than Chris Letang over their last you know, half dozen games or something like that. So uh, don't mind going back to Petrie. Uh, if you're looking for cheap defensemen under 3K, uh, Zach White-Cloud from Vegas, uh, Matt Irwin from Washington. Even though he was under 15 minutes like last game, that worries me a little bit. Uh, John Marino. In New Jersey, he's second in ice time of late uh, amongst Devils Blue Liners. Josh Brown in Arizona. Um, Jamie Alexiak from Dallas. Now, if you want to pay up a little bit more, like in that three to 4K range on DraftKings, it's yeah. Jacob Slave and Adam, Adam Pellet that I'm, I'm really looking at. And I think Matthias is fine as well.
0: Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Jacob Truba, 5,700 coming in with almost double the ownership of Adam Fox, who's only $700 more. I much prefer Adam Fox tonight than Truba, but if you can't get to Fox, I think Truba's fine. I just, I just prefer Fox. This is a good power play matchup. I think Fox is, I, just, but like, I want the unit that Fox is on. Yes. Or I want to, you know, I want to play Fox for the power play is what I'm saying. So, I'll find this extra 700 to go up from Fox to Truba. But if you can't get there, I think Drew is fine. He's a peripheral guy. Let's talk yeah. about some goalies, especially on DraftKings. There's so many cheap goalies in play here tonight. There's two price goalies, there's two others under 7K. Who do you like him?
1: Uh, there are a bunch. Um, in fact, I just put Eric Comrie into a sample lineup. This is our lineup builder here on DraftKings. Um, I made a lineup using Carolina top line, New Jersey. I put Eric Comrie in net, he's 6,500. I mean, between him and Kachekov, both sixty five hundred goalies, I think they're fine. Um, I put in Yokohari Harry and Carlson on the blue line, so that's our sample lineup for today. Um, so yeah, Kachekov Conry, obviously. Felix Sandstrom, like he's going into Carolina. We know how Carolina likes to generate a lot of shots. I know it's one of those things where could allow like five goals on on 41 shots and it's a pretty bad night, but um, I think he's another guy under 7k. I would easily play here, especially if you want to get from what get away from what should be like really, really chalky. Uh Kuchekov at least, if not Comrie as well. Um Carl at home to Nashville. I don't know why he's so cheap against Nashville, but I'll take him at home against the Predators. And of course, Eli Sorokin. Um, I'll play him anytime he's under 8K.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what I want to do with Kachekov chalk. Like, because he's going to be the chalky goalie. And I usually say goalie ownership doesn't matter. The points do. But, like, it's not like he's the only really cheap goalie. You know what I mean? He is Man, the best of the cheap goalies. But P- Peter Kochakoff was right there for you. Mm. You had it. You yeah. I had I'm it in my draft. I'm going to go cry. Uh <laughs> <laughs> No, but, like, uh, man, like, I can't even think now that I missed that. That's sad. Sad, sad, sad for me. You have any interest in Stewie Skinner?
1: He's playable, but, like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why I would play him, right? Like, he's 7,100. Why would I play him ahead of... Sandstrom or why would I play him ahead of Conry? or why would I play him even ahead of a You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk about Stewie from Peter
0: Griffin. No, we're not talking about stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> um <laughs> Who's your hat trick pick tonight? Pavel Bochnavich. Very good. His name is slammed on my screen right now. I don't even know who I'm going with here. Let's let's get really really spicy here. I don't know who's really spicy. No, I can't I can't do that. That's way too spicy. I'm gonna go Dawson Mercer. I like it. Go for Bobquist, and then I was just gonna retire. <laughs> but yeah, for some Cliffy, I'm your host, Josh Harris. We will be back, I believe, next week, actually. It's mm-hmm. Monday or Tuesday. Tomorrow's a short slate. So yeah. Yeah. So oh, she- Good luck, everybody, tonight, and we'll see you in Discord. We'll see you on Twitter. Good luck, everyone. Yeah! Ooh, forgot
1: to end the broadcast. I this is going to come in.